Welcome to the Pearl of Great Bryce podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 7th of July and on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1945 and we travel to Russia where the writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn was sentenced in his absence to an eight-year term in a labour camp in Siberia. During World War II, Solzhenitsyn had served as a commander in the Red Army and he was involved in action at the front and twice decorated. He was awarded the Order of the Red Star for the destruction of two German batteries. And as the Red Army pushed the Germans back into East Prussia, Solzhenitsyn witnessed war crimes against local German civilians by Soviet military personnel. At the time he saw this as revenge for the Nazi atrocities committed in the Soviet Union. However, he was arrested while serving in East Prussia for writing derogatory comments in private letters to a friend about the conduct of the war by Joseph Stalin. And he was accused of anti-Soviet propaganda and interrogated in a notorious Lubyanka prison in Moscow, where many dissidents would end up, including the American Jesuit Walter Chisek. See the podcast of June the 23rd. More on that. And today, on the 7th of July in 1945, he was sentenced in his absence by a special counsel of the NKVD to an eight-year term in a labour camp. Surviving his ordeal in the camp, after his sentence ended, he was sent into internal exile for life in South Kazakhstan. In the penultimate year of his sentence, Joseph Stalin died. And with a high number of excess deaths occurring under his rule, Stalin has been labelled as one of the most notorious figures in history. These excess deaths occurred as a result of collectivisation, famine, terror campaigns, disease, war and mortality rates in the Gulag. As the majority of these deaths under Stalin were not direct killings, The exact number of victims of Stalinism is difficult to calculate, but estimates are between 6 and 20 million excess deaths. Of the 18 million people who passed through the Gulag system in labour camps between 1930 and 1953, between 1.5 to 1.7 million died as a result of their incarceration. Three years after Stalin's death, The new Soviet leader, Nikita Khrushchev, made what is popularly known as the secret speech, sharply critical of the rule of Stalin. Addressing the 20th Congress of the Communist Party, the speech had the formal title On the Cult of Personality and its Consequences. Khrushchev charged Stalin with having fostered a leadership cult of personality despite ostensibly maintaining support for the ideals of communism. The speech was shocking, and there were reports that the audience reacted with applause and laughter at several points, while some of those present suffered heart attacks and others later committed suicide. In the West, the speech politically devastated 
the organized left, and the Communist Party in America alone lost more than 30,000 members within weeks. It was a major cause of the Sino-Soviet split by China under Chairman Mao. And Khrushchev was condemned as a revisionist. However, the speech was a milestone in what would become known as the Khrushchev Thaw, allowing him to consolidate his control of the Soviet Union's party and government after political struggles with Stalin's loyalists. In this climate, Solzhenitsyn was freed from exile and exonerated. He had secretly been spending his nights engaged in writing, recording his many experiences. And later, in his acceptance speech when he was awarded the Nobel Prize, he wrote that during all the years until 1961, not only was I convinced that I should never see a single line of mine in print in my lifetime, but also I scarcely dared allow any of my close acquaintances to read anything I had written because I feared this would become known. It became clear that during his decade of imprisonment and exile that Solzhenitsyn had abandoned Marxism and become a philosophically minded Eastern Orthodox Christian as a result of his experience in prison and in the camps. He had repented for some of his actions as a Red Army captain and in prison he compared himself to the perpetrators of the Gulag. This spiritual transformation is described at some length in the fourth part of his book, The Gulag Archipelago, called The Soul and Barbed Wire. In a particularly striking excerpt, he says, There is nothing that so assists the awakening of omniscience within us as insistent thoughts about one's own transgressions, errors and mistakes. After the difficult cycles of such ponderings over many years, whenever I mention the heartlessness of our highest-ranking bureaucrats, the cruelty of our executioners, I remember myself in my captain's shoulder boards and the forward march of my battery through East Prussia and shrouded in fire, and I say, so were we any better? His most famous book about the Soviet prison camp system, comparing them to a chain of islands, is in fact this book, The Gulag Archipelago. It discusses the systems of camps' origins from the founding of the communist regime, with Vladimir Lenin having responsibility for setting them up, detailing interrogation procedures, prisoner transports, prison camp culture, prisoner uprisings and revolts, and then the practice of internal exile. It became one of the most influential books of the 20th century, selling over 30 million copies in 35 languages. And he was awarded the 1970 Nobel Prize in Literature for the ethical force with which he had pursued the indispensable traditions of Russian literature. However, it was not published at the time in the Soviet Union. And in 1971, the KGB attempted to assassinate him using an unknown chemical agent, most likely ricin. 
The attempt left him seriously ill, but he survived. The members of the Politburo considered his arrest and imprisonment, but in the end they decided to deport him directly to West Germany before he settled in the United States, where even after two decades he had not become fluent in spoken English. He became a reluctant media star, which he seemed to resent, and warned about the dangers of communist aggression, but also of the weakening of the moral fibre in the West. In 1978, he was invited to give a commencement address at Harvard University and condemned, among other things, the press, the lack of spirituality and traditional values and the anthropocentrism of Western culture. Eventually, in 1994, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, Glasnost and the collapse of communism Solzhenitsyn had his Soviet citizenship restored and he returned to Russia with his wife Natalia, but their sons chose to stay behind in the United States. Solzhenitsyn argued that the de-Christianization of Russian culture was most responsible for the success of the Bolshevik Revolution, famously saying, over half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offering the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Since then, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. And in the process, I have read hundreds of books, collecting hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own towards the effort of clearing away the rubble left behind by that upheaval. And if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That's why all this happened. When he was asked about the divisions within the Roman Catholic Church over the Second Vatican Council and the new mass of Paul VI, see the podcast of March the 7th for more information about this liturgical revolution, Solzhenitsyn said, I understand the fears of both those in the Orthodox and in the Catholic Church, the wariness, the hesitation and the fear that they are lowering the church to the modern condition, the modern surroundings. I understand this, but alas, I fear that if religion does not allow itself to change, it will be impossible to return the world to religion, because the world is incapable on its own of rising as high as the old demands of religion. Religion needs to come and meet it somewhat. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at Sir John Mark Templeton and his Templeton Prize. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And for any links to the readings that I've done to research these podcasts, visit us on www.pogp.net. If you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. And if you have time... Please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Have a lovely day wherever you are, 
and thanks for listening.